Maybe seated for just a moment. Praise God. It's just not the same if you come to church and you don't sit and stand, sit and stand, sit and stand, sit and stand. <clears throat> Praise God. We're going to dismiss our youth group tonight. This is the first time we've dismissed a youth group. Praise God. That's exciting. That's called church growth or something. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> or, ch <laughs> or church growing and getting, yes. Love you all. We'll see you back at altar call. Praise God. Uh, amen. Well, uh, we can skip that slide. Uh, all right, then. Let's. There we go. Praise God. I'm going to have to talk very slowly tonight so that the slides will keep up. Somehow the internet has slowed to a crawl. It's strolling. It's been strolling all day long. So I'm sure it's not anybody here. It's not none of your guys' fault. I'm sure of it. <clears throat> we can make it better. Praise God. <laughs> are, are you ready for part three of Ordinary People? Yes. Uh, who's next is the question. Well, let's let's go there. All of us. That's the last lesson. Don't get ahead of me. <laughs> Say, I'm an ordinary people. I'm an ordinary people. That is awesome. Praise God. Oh, I have Sister Holly's phone up here. I wonder if she'll need that. Let's go with no. Okay. Perfect. Well, uh, let's let's see here. We're gonna continue here, and I, I hope I don't get off track tonight. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff, and I have a good, solid, easy half hour worth of notes, and a good hour and a half worth of random thoughts going through my brain tonight. Um, but we're going to get through this tonight because I, I really want uh, us to get a, a better understanding of the ones closest to Jesus. Of course, in our relationship with God, we are getting close to Jesus, right? That, that is our goal. We're trying to get close to him. But there are examples and plenty of them throughout Scripture of people that are close to Jesus. And if we could figure out um, uh, some of the characteristics that they had and some of the relationship uh, uh, issues, problems, good things, bad things that they had, um, it's going to help us in our life. You know, I, I don't like to be the one that is always leading the charge and making all of the fails so that other people can learn from my mistakes, right? I, I don't like being that person. Uh, I, I'd rather see somebody else fail miserably and go, I don't want to do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not that I want to see anybody fail. <laughs> Let me clarify that. Uh, put a pin in that. Okay, let's come back to that later. All right. So tonight we're going to continue ordinary people. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, but it usually it's the ordinary people who don't think God will use them. We usually don't celebrate ordinary things. We consider ordinary to be normal, average, mediocre, not special, blah, and bland. Blah. B-L-A-H, I think. I don't know. Um, so as we look at these disciples, um, you're going to find things that you identify with 
characteristics uh, that you could say, yes, that's me. And others are like, I will, nope, I will never be that. Uh, I will never be Peter and stand up on the day of Pentecost and, and preach to thousands of people. Nope, that's not going to be me. That's not my personality. But there are other disciples who were just as impactful for the kingdom of God and made disciples themselves who didn't have the personality of Peter, right? Um, and usually that's the one that we're all like, oh, we got to be like that. we gotta, we got to be the one standing on the corner with the street sign preaching uh, and, and, and seeing thousands uh, saved in one day. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that is not everybody. Okay, so, and that's why it's important for us to continue our journey looking at ordinary people. God views ordinary very differently, and I want to see what God sees in me. Some of you can identify with Peter. Bull in the china shop approach to Christian living. <laughs> right? No one here? As I look around the room tonight, as I look out through YouTube, I don't see anybody that's a bull in the china shop uh, as far as their Christian walk. Uh, or are you? Um, running over people, um, opening your mouth too soon, uh, being harsh, pulling out your sword, cutting off somebody's ear. When you're sorely outnumbered and it's not going to change anything, but you still have to strike in anger or defense or whatever, there's a little bit of Peter in all of us. There are times somebody comes up and talks to you and something just wells up in you like, I, I didn't appreciate the way they spoke to me. Uh, and if I were to open my mouth right now, I would probably destroy your walk with God and my walk with God, and it would take a while for us to heal and become friends again. Praise God. No one's ever felt that way? Excellent. Good. We are a church full of angels this evening. That is wonderful. Andrew. Who was Andrew? Andrew was always looking for the one, right? It was all about get one, bring it to Jesus. Bring it. Bring them to Jesus, right? Find one, bring them to Jesus. See the need, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus, right? Um, God, help us to be like Andrew. Oh, help us to be like Andrew. When we see somebody, when we see a need, bring it to Jesus. That, that doesn't necessarily mean bring them to church. That, that, that's not what that's saying. Bring, introduce them to the one that can change their life. Now, uh, uh, most of the time, they can find that in a church service, right? So I'm not saying don't bring people to church, but what I'm saying is that on the street, on the job, wherever it might be, if you're at lunch with someone, if there's a need, you can point them or bring them to Jesus in your conversation, in a small prayer, whatever it might be, you can be like Andrew and with the one, bring them to Jesus. Introduce them to the one who can change everything, right? So let's read our focus verse. Acts 4, 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. Everybody say ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Say with Jesus with Jesus. God, help us tonight, God, to hear your word and to be doers of your word. 
to not leave the same way that we walked in here tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Ordinary, with no special or distinctive features. Normal. These were ordinary, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, average men. God can do extremely amazing things with just ordinary people. Everybody point at themselves say, I'm an ordinary people. Excellent. Whew. In like six months when we're still on this series, you're just going to just start randomly saying that. I'm an ordinary people. And then everybody's going to say, because you're saying that, <laughs> you are not an ordinary people. Uh, okay. So tonight, who are we going to look at? None other but James. James, the brother of John, the son of of Zebedee. James. Anybody know anything about James? Not the book. <laughs> There's a book named after him. No. Um, so James, the brother of John. So there's one fact. You know that he's the brother of John. And two, already, without even studying a whole lot, he's the son of Zebedee. Okay? So all the disciples that came, how many, how many fathers were mentioned? I don't know either. I'm asking the question. How many fathers were mentioned? I don't know. But Zebedee was mentioned, and he was mentioned often when it came to James. He's like, James, son of Zebedee. Like, we need to define, or this is part of his definition. This is part of who he is. So, he was very much a part of the inner circle. But James, by the look on everybody's face and mine, is the least familiar. Okay, we, we at least saw Andrew doing some things, right? He'd bring, we could see those instances of him bringing people to Jesus, all we really see of James is that he was present, <laughs> right? James and John, right? He, he was there, but he was in that inner group, that inner circle with Jesus, the ones closest to him. He's only mentioned one time without his brother John. But James was invited to see some of the most amazing things that Jesus ever did, being part of that in inner circle. Andrew, Simon Peter, James, and John were so close to Jesus you would think uh, that they would have a great deal of information about them. These people, these disciples, boy it would be nice to know everything there was to know about them. How in the world did they uh, go about their daily living? Like, what was their routine? Did they get up and pray for five minutes or pray for a half an hour and, and, and read the scrolls for, for five minutes? And Right, it wasn't put together yet. Okay, so, uh, so <laughs> they, had to, they had to put it together. And so, they, they, like, what was their, what was their deal? How, how many times a week did they fast? How, how often um, uh, were they on uh, missionary journeys or how often uh, or how far did they travel uh, to, to meet a certain need? And, and we know some of these details, but we know very little, really, other than just kind of 
digging in and studying a little bit on these on these disciples, we know basically very little about them. Nowadays, you can look on somebody's Facebook profile and learn way more than you want to know about them. You know every show they like, their favorite music, what kind of things they have uh, checked in at. You know exactly where they've been. Uh, on some of them, you know where they live, you know uh, who they've, uh, how many relationships they've been in, you know everything about them. The disciples did not have Facebook, so we don't know everything there is to know about them. But what we do know about them is very important, very important. When we are followers of Christ, we understand that there is only one focus, and it's not you. It's not the disciple. It's Jesus, right? And so I think in a very obvious and subtle way, Scripture in not going into great detail about, about each one of these uh, men, these ordinary men, it made it very clear that they were there to learn. They were there to see Jesus' example and to hear from him and point others to him. It was and will always be about Jesus. Praise God. And we know a lot about him. Praise God. As John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. So this is about, even throughout this entire series, well, we look at the details as much as we can find about these men, these ordinary men. The bottom line to all of this is that all of these men point to Jesus. And our lives, if we are to be like any of these men, it is to point people to Jesus. Matthew 4, 18 through 23. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw another, other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Can you imagine fishing in your boat or doing your job, going about your business? James, the son of Zebedee, brother of John, went from zero to a hundred in .002 seconds 
He left there, dropped everything, went with Jesus, and got to sit and experience and be with right next to Jesus as he ministered in the synagogues. He preached everywhere he went, preaching the kingdom. He went healing, like right off the bat. It was, this is an incredible experience, life-changing experience. Literally, life-changing, career-changing. Everything about this was a change for James. But he had a front-row seat to the amazing things that Jesus started to do at the beginning of his ministry. He got to witness miracle after miracle. Hear incredible teaching and preaching. Every day. Could you imagine the opportunity? Would you take it? Would you take the opportunity? Jesus walked by and just said, follow me. Like, Jesus who? <laughs> Where's your credentials? Like, I kind of heard about you, you know, but no. Drop the nets. Follow Jesus. And got to experience such amazing things. I, I, I can't even imagine. I've experienced many things in my life, in my walk with God. Uh, many miracles, uh, many, many situations that God either fixed or removed from my life. Um, believe it or not, before I had the Holy Ghost, I was uh, a horrible, horrible person with a very, very mean temper. Didn't know that, did you? Yeah. Violent. They're still in my parents' home if they haven't changed the door. There are um, uh, belt marks and fist marks on the bathroom door from me trying to get back at my brother um, during one of our skirmishes of many. Um, and uh, he ran in there because that was the only room in the house that locked. And I grabbed whatever I had and in my hand and beat on the door until I damaged the door trying to get at him. Horrible, mean uh, yeah, temper was not under control whatsoever. Um, Jesus um, did a work in my life. He brought joy into my life. He brought healing, ministered to my life in such a way that he, he tempered my life so that I don't fly off the handle. Don't talk to Holly after service. But I don't fly off the handle as much as I used to. No, God, God has done an incredible thing in my life. And it's, it's, it was one of those moments where I literally had to drop the nets and follow him. And from that moment on, life was different. And life was different for James from that moment on. James was the son of Zebedee. Not all fathers are mentioned. Talked about that. But Zebedee could have been a man of some importance. There was a reason that Zebedee kept being um, said, and it's not because he has a fun name to say. Everybody say Zebedee? Zebedee. Where, <laughs> whether he was financially successful, maybe he was from a good family, had a, had a long line of Zebedees, um, uh, he was known. And it's, it's possible, uh, through some history uh, research, uh, that it's possible that he was connected to or related to in some way the high priest. There was, there was some prominence. And so when James is mentioned, his father is also mentioned, which that in itself, James as the older brother, 
would have had uh, the weight of their family on his shoulders. So when Zebedee is gone, James is going to take over, right? So good fishing business, right? Um, we know that that inner circle, they were fishermen. They were probably close fishermen, maybe even worked together, right? Um, so James would have had the weight of the family's future on his shoulders. He was uh, definitely part of um, the um, which one's going to be the greatest debates. Remember those amongst the disciples? Which one's going to be the greatest? You know that James was right in the middle of that conversation. Okay? Um, and Jesus called James and John the sons of thunder. Right? And so... If any insight can be gained here, these were um, loud, obnoxious. <laughs> uh, they, they were filled with passion. Let's put it that way. That'll be the nice way to say it. They were filled with passion. Okay, so the, everything they did, if they were arguing or, or talking about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, I don't know, but Sons of Thunder, kind of like... Are you ready to rumble? And, and I can see that coming. You know, like uh, getting to the point of, no, I'm going to be the greatest. Smack. I'm going to be the greatest. No, Russell, 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 right? Sons of thunder. These guys had passion. Jesus wouldn't have called them sons of thunder if they were meek and mild and timid. and Andrew, right? These guys were the thons, sons of thunder. Say that ten times. Thuns of Sunder. James was zealous. He was thunderous, so loud, passionate, and he was fervent. This is James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee. James got a ringside seat, and I use that specifically because he was, he was there, scrapper. Ringside seat to the amazing things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. James, Peter, and John were permitted to go with Jesus to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead in Mark 5, 37. He was in the group or that same group that witnessed Jesus' glory on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 1. James was one who sat with Jesus um, and asked him private questions about the things to come on the Mount of Olives. Like, not everybody got that opportunity. It was a, a very special moment for people that were extremely close to him, and Jesus opened up about things to come. James was urged to pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was among the group. Can you not tarry with me for one hour? Can you not pray for just a few minutes? Come on, guys. Like, teach us to pray. And, and all I seem to have gotten across to you is teach us to sleep, right? We want to know these things. But James was urged uh, to pray with Jesus in the garden. So he was there during some of the uh, most incredible things that Jesus went through in his earthly ministry. As part of the inner circle, he was privileged to witness Jesus' power in raising the dead. His glory when Jesus was transfigured, right? It wasn't just a, a, a man up there with a backlight on him. 
there was a change that he witnessed. He witnessed his glory. How many people got to witness his glory? James got to witness his sovereignty when he told them things in the future, things that were going to happen when he sat with him and asked private questions on the Mount of Olives. And James got to see our Savior's agony in the garden. James got to see what Jesus was going through as he was laying his will aside and saying, not my will, but thine be done. Could you imagine being James in that setting? Seeing your master, your teacher, the one that was pouring into your life, agonizing over what was about to happen in his life. You know that it had to impact James's life. Seeing that agony, knowing that uh, Jesus was coming up to Calvary. These events also had to strengthen his faith. Could you imagine getting to be a part of all this stuff? There are people that go through their entire Christian walk, maybe never see a healing, hear about it. You know, we, we, we read, uh, uh, we're going to start reading <laughs> more missionary reports. We get them every once in a while, and I read through them. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. I need to share this, and then I forget to bring it up here and share it. But uh, uh, there's healings and miracles, uh, not just in missions, but around the world and, and, and right here in Alaska. And there, I mean, incredible um, healings. Um, there was brother, brother AJ, not our AJ, but another AJ, um, who was uh, blind, and uh, uh, God healed him at camp meeting several years ago, right? Um, so to, to be there and to, to witness those things, it is, it is life-changing and it's faith-building. Like, I have no doubt that God can open the blinded eyes. I've seen it, right, with my own eyes. I've seen it. I, I, like, that's not something that I have to question or, or battle within myself. I, I know it because I've seen it. Um, I've seen God take care of, of uh, financial needs uh, that I had no idea how it was going to happen. But when it needed to happen, the finances were there. God uh, made a way for whatever bill to be paid. And, and like, you don't, have to, uh, you don't have to encourage me or build my faith in that area. I know. And so James uh, was strengthened in his faith because he was there and saw all of these things that happened. I don't think he doubted for a minute uh, after he saw Jesus raise somebody from the dead. Well, if he can bring the dead back to life, there is nothing, no, no ailments, no sickness, no disease that, that Jesus cannot heal, right? So these are areas that were strengthening James's faith. And of course, everybody else that was there as well. So while Andrew was quiet, and I know that that fits much uh, of our personality at times, while he quietly brought people to Jesus, James, if we have any Jameses in the building, 
or watching online. Any Jameses out there? The Jameses were wishing that he would call fire down from heaven and destroy entire villages of people. Yay, James. <laughs> right? <clears throat> ah, and I'll read that here in a second. There were plenty of examples of spiritual leaders who had the sons of thunder personalities. Elijah actually called down fire from heaven, right? Okay. Uh, that was God's judgment. That wasn't Elijah's judgment, though. Uh, James, I think, was kind of putting it on himself. Like, I want to call down fire because I want to judge those people, right? Um, but Elijah actually called down fire from heaven, so yeah, I would call him a son of thunder. Uh, Nehemiah was also extremely passionate. Uh, in one instance, in Nehemiah 13, 25, he contended with them, he cursed them, he smote a few, and he plucked off their hair and made them swear by God to do the right thing. Yeah. Just be thankful I don't have the spirit of Nehemiah all over me tonight. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Uh, hopefully I won't be doing any cussing tonight and I won't smite any of you. Praise God. We don't have enough to smite tonight. Um, uh, although the hair thing sounds awfully fun. Plucking off their hair and making them, that's crazy. And, and, and to make them swear by God to do the right thing. They were inter, there was marriages going on, inter, intermingling between uh, different peoples. And, and it, at the time it was like, that, you can't do that. We need to fix that, right? So he came down on him. So, yeah, very passionate. I don't think I'd mess with Nehemiah. Um, <clears throat> John the Baptist also had a very fire temperament. He was a very unique person. Um, uh, didn't do well. It was one of those people kind of like Sister Holly, where she doesn't like people, but she has to be around them and minister to them, right? Um, obviously, John... <laughs> John the Baptist had a very specific ministry. Um, I don't know if it was him that didn't like people or people just didn't want to hang around stinky camel furs and, and, and locusts, right? But John the Baptist had a fiery temperament as well. It took a boldness to stand out there and seem like a crazy person, but saying the kingdom of uh, God is at hand, right? Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, uh, uh, repent, you sinners. He's talking to the, you know, the churchy people. <laughs> repent, you sinners right? James was outspoken. He was intense. He was impatient with evildoers. Praise God. Anybody impatient with evildoers? <sighs> Excellent. James had zeal. <laughs> Jesus himself cleansed the temple with a whip that he made. Could you imagine him making a whip angrily? <laughs> as soon as I get this whip done, <laughs> there's going to be some trouble right? Braiding the whip, getting it ready to go uh, because things were not right. And it was a righteous zeal. It was this, you have turned my, the house of prayer into a den of thieves and you're, you're, you're not doing it right. Once again, zeal. Um, James had that in him. He's like, I, I, I don't like, I don't like that they're getting away with something horrible. We need to call fire down and destroy them. Not just them, but the whole town. Zeal must be tempered with righteous cause. Zeal can be damaging if you're not careful. Boy, we could go around. There are plenty of heathens in North Pole. 
plenty of sinners in North Pole where we could walk around and just get in their face with zeal and say, you have sinned and you have fallen short of the glory of God. Get your life right or I'm going to pull your hair out. That's a good cause. <laughs> Probably not the right approach. Zeal can be damaging if you are not careful. Luke 9, uh, 54 through 56, we see how James uh, reacted when Jesus was not welcomed in the town. It wasn't even that James wasn't received in town. He was doing this for Jesus. Like, that was his motivation. I, Jesus was treated poorly. And so I need to, like Peter cutting off the ear, Jesus is being treated poorly. I need to react and defend Jesus, right? Like the God of the universe can't defend himself, right? I don't know. Sometimes we think, we, <laughs> we think we're all that and a bag of chips. And, and God's like, I got this. Back, back up. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's all good, okay? So Luke 9, 54 says, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, and this was when they rejected them, like, you can't stay in our town. We don't want you in our town, in Samaria. Um, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? That's, that's a great spirit, great attitude. Good job, James. But he turned and rebuked them and said, ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. In other words, it was one of those get behind me Satan moments like he told Peter. Like you guys don't have any idea what you're saying or what spirit you're working under right now. Right? Um, and the next verse in verse 56, for the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. We talked about knocking on every door. We talked about um, the fact that, that uh, sometimes uh, you're not going to be received in that, in that place. And, and you just need to, to move on to the next, the next door. Right? James didn't get that. It's like, knock, knock, knock. Oh, you don't want Jesus? Okay. Fire! We, we, we need to destroy them, get them out of the way, and then we'll go to the next town anyway because there won't be thing, anything left but rubble and charred wood, right? That's, that's not what Jesus came for. I think we know that. Uh, that. Jesus did not come to destroy. He came to save lives. Jesus' mission was very different than Elijah's mission, Right? Christ came to save and not to destroy. And our mission is to see people saved and not destroy them. It is so, people are already in pain. People are already hurting. Even us here tonight, there are things in our life that we find are hurting there are needs that we have in our life, and we're working through them, and we're, we're asking God to help us get through these situations in our life, and God is helping us and giving us strength. But it would be so easy to step in 
and say harsh words and to say things uh, just off the cuff and not think about what we're doing before we do it and actually destroy people, calling down fire from heaven, using our tongue to destroy people and our actions to destroy people, using our gossip to destroy people, spitting out hatred without even realizing the damage that it can do. God, help my zeal to be tempered in righteousness and to my, for my truth to be spoken in love. The end result that Jesus had was for all to be saved. By destroying or by hurting or by, by trying to crush or snuff out people that don't agree with you or have different points of view, they will never be saved. At least not by your help, right? If we surrender our zeal to God, it can be harnessed and tempered with love. I believe God wants us to be passionate about the gospel. I believe that when we speak about God, there ought to be a leap in our step. Right? There ought to be excitement in what we are talking about. If God has done something for you, there ought to be excitement in that. And if, if there's not, maybe save your testimony until you muster up enough excitement about it because you don't want people to walk away saying, wow, their God's really depressing. Praise God. Right? God wants us to be passionate about the gospel. He wants to be passionate about making disciples. Uh, those we disciple will follow your passion and your zeal for Christ. I want to have a very definite zeal and passion for Christ. I want you to catch the vision, and I want you to catch the excitement that I have and the joy that I have in my life. That is part of what my job is is to project uh, the, the, the passion and the excitement about the gospel and that we can live overcoming lives. We can live in power and anointing. We can preach the gospel on the streets. We can make disciples everywhere we go, right? That, 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 that's what I'm doing. And, and if I do that, then that's something that you can do in your life as well to reach those around you. So it... If every service, if every time I got up here and spoke, every time we had a Bible study together, or any time we had uh, anything uh, uh, together where we spent time and just kind of, um, uh, you know, iron sharp with iron and, and everything that we did together, I was just, well, I don't know if, I don't know if God, God can do, do that for you. I, you know, I really haven't seen it, but I guess all things are possible, right? <laughs> I only believe, right? If that, was, if that was my outlook and if that was the way that I acted about the gospel and about, about uh, the, the fact that I know that God is a healer and I know uh, that he can strengthen us and I know that he can give us wisdom when, when we're, we're failing and, and, and trying to explain something in Scripture, he can give us a word and he can help us encourage People, like, I know these things, and I just need to express it in a way how I actually feel and not how sometimes my flesh can feel. 
Because I know we come on Friday night, and I know we're tired in body. I know we've had a crazy day. Things haven't gone the way that we've wanted them to go. All it takes is, like, the Internet not to work. Or for, like, it just drives me absolutely up the wall. i got to pray through every time that, that it's glitchy and, and the screens don't work. And, like, God... I like praying for the computer. Lord Jesus, touch this computer right now. Make those words magically go through the air and come up onto the screen, right? But we can get thrown off and we can come into the house of the Lord or we can go on to our job after having a horrible morning where we burnt our toast and I can't even have toast right now. But if you burnt your eggs uh, in the microwave and, and like you don't have any food or you got up late and you run late and you've already got phone calls from work. Where are you at and what are you doing and why haven't you called? And if you don't get in here in five minutes, you're going to get fired and all this kind of stuff. And you leave the house and you're in a hurry. And you get to work and somebody there uh, has a need and they're hurting in their life and you don't have time for it because you are in a bad mood. That's just real life, folks. That's real life. But we need to be passionate about the gospel. We need to realize that even in those moments, I can have the joy of the Lord. I can put a smile on my face. <laughs> right <laughs> force it there god has been too good to me to let one moment or one morning or one tiredness or whatever the situation might be to get me down you know i, I might get down for a second i might get down for i've been down sometimes for a few hours but i've got to get back up and i got to realize that God is my joy and he's my peace and he's going to help me through every situation. I've got to realize that, that God is a good God. I've got to realize that and go about my day and share that goodness with people around me. James, now that we've got everybody on a high note, praise God, James was the first to be martyred. Acts 12, 1 and 2. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. James was the first to go. Why would James have stood out in King Herod's world? He was thunder. He was zealous. He spoke his mind when they would come at him. There's no record of this, but if they would come at him, he would speak the truth. He would preach the gospel. He would continue to tell of a Savior who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day so that they could walk in newness of life. James would have passionately told them, <laughs> passionately told them the truth. 
And in that day, some people didn't like hearing the truth. And there are times today where you passionately share the truth with someone. And if they wouldn't go to jail for lifetime, and there weren't laws in the country, they are killing you with their eyes because they don't want to hear it. I don't need that. I don't want that in my life. That makes me think about sin in my life and all the hurt that I've caused. I don't want to hear that. So King Herod obviously got a hold of James in the process of looking for others, said certain of the church, looking for others that would soon follow the same fate. But James was bold enough to stand up, speak the truth, be that son of thunder, and say, fine, take me in, <laughs> right? Just, just enough boldness in him. Uh, yeah, a brawler, just, I'll, head, I'll, I'll, I'll face this head on. Head on. And sometimes, as Christians, we have to face life. How about all the time? Face life head on. Like, God, I'm not really bold enough for this moment right now in my life. But I'm going to take one step of faith towards this situation or towards this person or towards this need. And know that you're going to complete the work. James had enough things that he saw in his life in those short years of ministry with Jesus that his faith was strong. The day of Pentecost, not only was his faith strong, but now he was bold and he was endued with power from on high. And no king and no sword and no threat of death was going to keep James quiet. Praise God. Brother AJ, do you want to go tell mom? God, help us to be passionate about truth. Help us to be passionate about truth. The little things that we let slide from time to time. Help us to be passionate about doing the right thing. Doing the right thing all the time and not just part of the time. Or when we feel good. Or when, we're, when we've got just the right amount of caffeine in our life. Right? God, help us to say the right thing at the right time to the right people. God, open the doors and let us walk through. God prepares the way. But it doesn't mean that he drags you along the way. So we need to be passionate enough that when God opens the door, you're like, oh, that's a great opportunity. I should probably do that. But I'm doing something else right now that I feel is 
more important than God's will. Um, and uh, I'll get to that tomorrow when the door is open now. Let's be passionate enough to say what we need to say, when we need to say it, to who we need to say it to. Praise God. God, help our zeal to be tempered by the Holy Ghost and filled with love. Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. Any Jameses in the house? Any sons of Zebedee? Sons of Thunder? Brother of John? Even in the case of being uh, the first martyr, he's not mentioned alone. Poor James. He's always connected with somebody. But that's a, that's a good thing. Talk about an incredible thing to be connected to brothers and sisters. When, when, when they mention my name, I don't have a problem with them saying, Jeff, the brother of Shane. Same family. Family of God. I don't mind them saying that uh, I am the son. The son of God. Not me personally, but we are sons and daughters of God. Right? I, I, I don't mind when they say that I am, I am in relation to you. We are connected as one body. Together we can strengthen each other and we can build each other's faith through our shared experiences and we can um, uh, work together to fulfill the goal. This is not uh, these ordinary people that we've been talking about. Um, they are, yes, we're talking about them individually, but they are so very much connected, right? The 12, the disciples, they were connected to each other. They were connected to Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the model that we need to have at Northlight. Praise God. Praise God. Tonight, in closing, as we pray, God, help us to be like James just a little bit. Have some boldness. Don't be afraid of when the enemy comes against us, trying to kill us or to put us down. We can walk boldly into our purpose. We can speak boldly of the truth. <clears throat> Praise God. And stay connected. Stay connected to your family. In Jesus' name. God, we come before you tonight. God, we, we need you. We need your, your strength in our lives. There are so many times that we want to fulfill what you have called us to do. And we fall short. And our shortcomings become walls and barriers to the next time that you call us to step out and to do your will. God, help us tonight. Break down those barriers, those past failures. God, remove them. Get those obstacles out of our way so that we can step into our purpose and step into your will for our lives and to be able to boldly proclaim your truth, this gospel, 
to our neighbors, those around us, to our co-workers. God, I pray that you would give us the words to speak, the boldness to speak those words. God, I pray that you would lead us to hungry hearts. God, I pray that as we knock on every single door, that there would be doors where there are hungry people inside. Those that would be the connection to that family, the connection to that group of people. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us and give us strength and give us zeal and boldness, just like James. God, help us to be like Andrew and reach for the one. Help us to be like Peter and to be able to proclaim truth to the masses. Help us to see, like Peter did, who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name, God, take these ordinary people tonight and use us in an extraordinary way to reach this city. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let this be your prayer. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can use anything, Lord, you can use me. You can Anything. 